0: Hello beautiful human. Thank you for joining shit you don't want to talk about. We're stoked to have you be a part of the conversation changing shit you don't want to talk about into shit to talk about. This show was created to have us open our minds and learn about new perspectives even when we don't agree with them. Please be advised. Episodes can discuss content that is not suitable for all listeners and it can be triggering opinions of our guests expressed on the show are their own they do not necessarily represent the views of myself or the show there are a few ways we could really use your support please share your favorite episode especially send them to someone that could really use the content we talked about donate on paypal and patreon subscribe and rate the show iTunes and Spotify and follow on social media and join the conversation. It's shit to talk about That's shit. The number two talk about links are in the episode description.
1: Hey, Diane, thank you for joining shit. You don't want to talk about, please introduce yourself and what shit you want to talk about today.
2: Hey, Jen, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I love your title. And when I came across it, I immediately thought, Oh, Well, there's shit I want to talk about. And what I want to talk about is death and mortality and how that enlivens us to really take a hard look at that.
1: And for those of you listening, not watching, I definitely am giving Diane a lot of weird looks because (laughs) who wants to talk about death? I I want to talk about death. I mean, like I do my best to live my life to the fullest, but the only time I've really had to think about what would happen if I die is when I had my brain surgery, they make you do a, a medical will. And yeah, it wasn't the fact of thinking about how it would affect me, like what happens to me. I was just like, eh, fuck it, whatever. It was how it would affect Tyler, my partner, and the choices right. and the hardship that he would have to make. And that was like my first little itty bitty bit of thinking about death and mortality. So
2: what are you talking about? Right. Well, I think it's just, I think it's so interesting. I mean, I try not to generalize wildly because I do think there are families that, you know, do death well. And I do think there are communities and cultures that do death well, but generally kind of in our society in America and Canada right now, there's kind of this avoidance and, um, it, you know, it, it ends up with some really difficult situations. And I think, in some ways death has been kind of taken over by a medical model and oh gosh I could talk about the history of how that kind of you know my understanding of how that has kind of come to happen in our country but but fundamentally I believe in what Barbara Carnes says who's a hospice pioneer and an amazing woman and she says death is a community event you know death is something that we show up for and be with each other for And I feel like in current times, we've sort of gotten away from that with our, you know, our kind of youth oriented, health oriented. If you just eat right and exercise right, you can live till you're 95. Well, not necessarily. And so facing this fact that we are mortal and that we do die, um, I think it's what adds like the real spark to life. I mean, when we take a hard look at our mortality, it enlivens us to really get straight with things that we want to. Make complete before we die. So I I don't know. I just think it's fascinating, and I I think I've sort of always had an openness around death that I know. You know, I I, some of my friends are kind of surprised. Like, well, what what do you mean? Why are you going to that funeral of that you know person who died? That uh, here's here's the specific example I'm thinking of. When one of my daughters was in first grade, one of the moms in the class died in a car accident, terrible car accident, and I planned to go to the funeral. And some of the moms in the class said to me, well, I didn't know her that well. Like, really? Did you know her that well? Why are you going? And I just looked at them and was like, this is the kind of thing you just show up for. Like you just show up because someone died. There's a funeral. We knew her. It was tragic. I'm going to go show up for the family, for the husband, for the kids, and just be there. And so I, that's always kind of been not that hard for me to do. And I know that you know many people have trauma around death or they've witnessed really difficult deaths and so there's a lot of fear but i also think well pfft, shit <laughs> here's some shit we better talk about because we're all going to face it in our loved ones and in ourselves so how do we do it well
1: and there's there's so much to unpack there i even just the fact of going to somebody's like funeral that I kind of know but don't really know like that gives me the heebie skeebies just like thinking about it because in in my mind and at least like first instinct is it almost feels like somebody is going to the funeral that didn't really know them but knows them as like attention seeking attention Instead of support, and I I I see that it can be a fine line, and you know it all has to deal with intention. Yet at the same time, like how, like I I think something that could be really helpful, and we I've done uh, another episode where we talk about uh, a gentleman's husband died, and he had he wrote a book that says all the shit he doesn't want to hear, and so when somebody says it to him, he says fuck you. And and I'm like, yeah, it's, I love this chapter,
2: right? Like, just kind of the blase. I'm so sorry for your loss, and exactly you'll get over because- it with time. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. None of yes. that, none of that, even touches the kind of raw grief. Yeah. Uh,
1: and so, into the 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 funeral part really quick because I feel like that irks me. Irks. I don't know if that's the best word. It's giving yep. me the the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Um, go to support people that you don't know very well? Like how, how does that, how do you even support people that you do know well? Like, you know, a friend of a friend, a parent of a friend, uh, you know, somebody that's a family member, but not that close. Like, I'll I don't know how to support
2: people the best. Great question. I mean, I, 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 think, it's, I think it's just about presence. I, I don't think it has I don't think there is any right thing to say. There, there is no right thing to say when someone is kind of in raw grief. But I think just showing up, um, you know, a comforting touch on the shoulder, a hug if you know them well, um, filling the seats if there's a memorial service, and just simply saying, We bear witness to your loss. I, I think that's the most fundamental thing about it. And I, I think, you know, I don't think funerals are for the dead, funerals are for the living. And they, they mark a transition. And I think that that transition, it's it's like we've gotten to this place where we say, oh, let's have a celebration of life. And I'm surprised how many people say, oh, I don't want any kind of memorial after I'm gone. Well, the memorial is not for you who died. The memorial is for the people who are remaining on this world so that they can mark that you have left. And it's actually a really important part of grieving. Not that that funeral slash memorial slash life celebration, can't be full of some jokes and humor and laughter and good food and shared um, community. But I think it's about coming together to witness. And um, I know, you know, when my father-in-law died, a friend that we didn't expect drove up from Den- from Denver. And I, I didn't know he was coming. And when he walked in the place where we were holding the service, I burst into tears. Like there was just mm-hmm. something about his willingness to show up. He didn't even call and say I'm coming. He didn't ask if it was the right thing. He didn't know my father-in-law. He came to witness us. And that that really meant something to me. So to me, it's about that context of of, um, community. And I think when I talked about that funeral of the the mother in, in elementary school, I think that was it for me, You know that the father had said, this is when her funeral will be. And to me, I thought, well, some of us from the class, let's show up for this. Um, And it was intense. It was an open casket funeral. She was a Buddhist. She was wrapped very plain in a white shroud, and she was bruised from this car accident. She was a little distorted. But if you've seen a dead body, it's very powerful because you actually really witness how much it's a shell. And we identify with these bodies. We think they're the real deal. Where we think there's such a, an important part of us. When a person dies, you see this simple shell, and you know that the being that you knew has left that shell. So there's something really powerful about witnessing that. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But I guess I, I guess I think it's a hard that we, you know, that we should talk about and not shy away from, and not not yeah. seeking it, but not you know when it presents itself in your life try to be present for it. So that's how I would answer the, what do you say? I think the platitudes and the discomfort are really awkward for the person who's just lost someone.
1: Yeah. And, and thank you for that, that I, I later on, and you and I have talked about this, that uh, we have a slew of death episodes coming out. Um, I say it like with a bit of, of, Laughter in my voice, because I am still slightly awkward about it, and it but they're all specific topics that we need to talk about, and I know for for this one, it's how do you prepare like not only I know that um you you have best life, best death, and I just I think about best life, like let's go live our life to the fullest, make sure we have community yet. Yeah, that doesn't always take care of our closest family or what we should be thinking about and i i you and i talked about it that you have a course where people have a imagine a death date and have to figure shit out from there so what do you go through in that and how do people process this
2: It's a great question. I mean, the the first thing I think to respond with is like, I think at the biggest level, at the biggest level of being human, it is our mortality that gives our life meaning, right? Like if we were immortal, if you could swallow a pill that made you immortal, would you really want it? And I know there's a couple of great novels that kind of ask that question and put that out there. And it really is an interesting question because you realize our mortality is what makes things so precious our, our appreciation of who we love, we love them knowing that eventually we will lose them one way or the other. And that's painful, but it's also beautiful. So that's like my broadest, biggest question. And then, or, or framework, I think I would say. Um, And then, yeah, this best three months work is very interesting because we, we do, we start a class. I typically have a small group of like six to 10 people, and we name a date that we will, pass away on. And it's sort of like by imagining that we we stir our imaginations to kind of think, oh wow, what if? And then we talk about our lives in these kind of it's kind of artificial because you can't really break your life down in these silos of these five domains, but I find it's helpful because if you talk about your your physical body, you talk about your spiritual beliefs, you talk about your emotional life and the relationships you have, and then you talk about like I call it like legacy, like what do, what do you want to leave behind for the people you love? And then we talk about practical, like really, what after death care do you want? Do you want to be buried, cremated, aquamated? There's all these amazing possibilities now, composted. Um, so so those five domains we discuss in a lot of different ways. And it, it gives people kind of this very concrete um, launching pad from which to think about what is important to me? What does matter most? What do I want to put in, um, in, in alignment kind of, so to speak that, that, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean if you're imagining you have three months to live that you say, oh, well, I've always wanted to live by the ocean and I'm going to move to Florida like that. That's probably not what's going to happen, (laughs) but how can you bring a little Florida to you? Or do you want to go visit Florida or, it's been interesting to me how often the emotional realm is often really important for people. And I've had, you know, a couple of people say, well, you know, there's this friend or there's this sibling that I something happened and we kind of got out of touch. And sometimes that's the resolution that there is no resolution and they're not going to be in touch with that person. But I've absolutely had people say, wow, if I really had three months to live, I would write a letter to that person today. And when they do, some magic begins to happen and people have gotten back in touch with estranged siblings or a friend that they lost track of. And I think that's really powerful because the bottom line, the bottom line of all of this, we don't, we don't lie on our deathbed thinking, you know, oh, gee, how's my stuff? Or, you know, where's my money? We think who matters to me. It comes down again to this community, this presence of people and the love that we share and how we touch each other.
1: I love that. I love that. And definitely uh, there's going to be a couple episodes coming uh, out in the future that we talk about, like, who do you leave your stuff to if you're a solo ager or uh, Jamie, uh, who introduced the two of us is going to come on and talk about different ways uh, of what you do with your body after death, because all the ones you mentioned, I think I knew like two of them. I yeah. don't know,
2: like the Aquamation. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't
1: know that was. I know, it's I a whole
2: new thing. It's a whole, new thing. It's and a when whole Des- new thing. When Desmond Tutu went for Aquamation, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to change people's perception of what that is. Yes. And, gosh, there's so much interesting. There's so many interesting books. And I'm I'm just going to share one right at this moment, because it just strikes me. There's this amazing book called American Afterlives by Shannon um, Dowdy. And she's an anthropologist and she this book is specifically about how what we do with body disposition how bodies are disposed of and one of the things that happened is in her looking at this from an anthropological point of view she found that after 911 cremation dramatically increased who knew i don't even know that she kind of sorts through the why of that but that happened and i believe that covid is probably really impacting how people see all of this and Maybe what how body disposition happens or somebody like Desmond Tutu choosing aquamation is going to put that in people's minds in a way that it just wasn't before. So yeah, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And as you and I talked about too, I, I was telling um, Jen that when I got into this, I mean, my background is teaching, right? So I was a classroom teacher and a teacher of painting and all this kind of stuff. And then I became a mom later in life. I wasn't looking for like some career in my fifties. I just sort of, my, my kids were older, they were teenagers. I was like, okay, I have a little more time. What do I want to do? And I took a course with the conscious dying Institute in being a sacred passage doula. I swear when I started the course, I didn't even really know what an end of life doula or death doula was. I hadn't heard that term Please tell us because I didn't know what it was. <laughs> right, I will. So I loved it. I'll, I'll I'll circle back to that. So I loved this course, and then I took a course after that called the Conscious Dying Educator, and and that just lit me up because I thought, well, that's what I want to do. I want to educate and have conversations with people about this because, because it is this thing that this shit that people don't talk about. So a doula, a death doula or an end of life doula, if you think about a birth doula, they're they're just the same. So in the same way that a birth doula supports the mom, supports the baby, supports the partner, supports the medical team that is working with the mom, whether that's a hospital or a midwife, the doula is there for the whole kit and caboodle and supporting kind of everyone, almost acting, if you will, as like. An orchestra conductor of all these different pieces. Oh, okay. And there's a medical role, and there's a family role, and there's the patient. In this case, I don't know that patient is the right word, but the birthing mother, you know, the laboring mother. Yeah. And the baby. So, it, for a death doula, it's very similar. A death doula is there to support the family. In in and that ranges from the person who's dying to the family members who are nearby or beloved friends, whatever who whatever community has come together for that death. And, and again, I think a deaf doula supports the doctors, supports palliative care, works in tandem with hospice, but, you know, hospice, this is kind of an interesting, um, thing, you know, hospice has, has shifted in ways. And I think the best of hospice is, is really this end of life doula work where, where hospice is able to really be present with family and, hospice has become a part of the medical system. You know, it is part of Medicare. You can get six months of hospice and so many hours Mm -hmm. per week. And there are rules and regulations that say what that is. And hospice is a, is a godsend. I think in, in the history of hospice, they were much more able to be fluid in their time and much more able to be present with a family. The intent was really to be with a family and the dying person through the death. And because of how hospice has become more about medical support for families, more about practical kind of bathing and, and um, you know the, the needs of a body that needs to be moved and so on, it's just shifted a bit and they just don't have the kind of time that a doula can provide. So again, a death doula can kind of act as that orchestrator, helping family members talk to each other, um, figuring out how to help get them food, figuring out how to coordinate friends visiting, supporting the dying person, and clarifying for the family what happens in the dying process, like a hospice worker can do as well, a nurse, and um, just kind of providing knowledge that calms fear. I think that's the bottom line of of this kind of work. So, so you and I had talked about when I got into this work, I found it fascinating. I realized there were all kinds of niche jobs within end of life, and um, you know, we sort of think of doctors, nurses, hospice volunteers, hospice coordinators. I don't know. I hadn't heard of doulas, and um, but there's really this whole rich range of possible jobs and opportunities that I think are so interesting if you're a person who's you know comfortable with this kind of shit
1: <laughs> <So to speak. laughs> and I think and I think that's a, a big call out is just how you talked about that you never imagined being into this you know especially when with your kids and yeah, you and I spoke about that when you went through your first course uh, for the death doula you we're there to support some of your friends and their families and family members. And that continued education, you really opened my eyes on how big the ecosystem is and all the different parts. And I love how you talk about that in your own training, that there's like five different stages, yet, like, the stages of the ecosystem really support those five stages.
2: Absolutely. I mean, when you talk about, when you say to someone, you know, do you have everything lined up? Are you really prepared for the end of your life? People tend to think in terms of like stodgy paperwork. I want to say like, you know, wills, um, advanced directives, uh, do not resuscitate papers. These are really important. And if you you know, are over 18 years old and don't have them in place, they're really important. However, that's just like the tip of the iceberg or or maybe the foundation of the pyramid. (laughs) But there's all these other pieces about how you can think about um, supporting yourself and also supporting your loved ones. And I love, there's a wonderful, another podcaster named Siana Stewart, who um, has, her podcast is called Dying Kindness. And she talks about how can we um, you know, how can we make our deaths kinder on those we leave behind? And I love her tagline. She says, um, dying kindness, a, pine ca- a podcast for those who are going to die. So, you know, it's kind of, For everyone. Yeah. I love it. It's love kind it. of like your, uh, your great tongue in cheek, like shit you don't want to talk about. Let's bring it.
1: Yep. yep. It's definitely, there's so much to talk about and it, let's, it, let's go back to the the five main pieces, because we've talked a bit more about the body and, and what we do there. Um, we talked about uh, emotional, like with family. What were the other three again? I usually start
2: a course with the physical, because I find it's very okay. interesting for people to kind of think like, well, what does bring me comfort? What do I not like? And suppose I'm dying and not able to speak how would somebody know that? Have I, have I told my partner, like, you know, I like to be warm all the time. Right. Or, you know, I don't like my feet touched. Right. I mean, these are tiny little basic things, but if we have time to share what's important to us about our physical bodies and our care, that could be helpful for someone to know that in under the physical care is also this kind of like, do not resuscitate do you want to be intubated all these kind of decisions that you make in an advanced directive are really really important and and honestly all of us are just a car accident away from needing that i mean not to be yeah. tragic but it's really important information and then i talk about spiritual with people and what i i think what i find most interesting about that is people are really clear most people what they believe whether it's a traditional religious stance whether it's a a, a more um, spiritual kind of pagan approach, you know, whatever it is, when you talk to people, they, they know what's important to them and they know what they believe. Have they shared that with their spouse? Have they put any poems or songs or um, meaningful prayers written down somewhere where somebody could find them and read them? Not necessarily, but they, but they know, you know, they know their fundamental um, kind of beliefs and then the the third one given you know what we've said the the third one to to mention is um is this idea of legacy and and i find that a really interesting one because legacy sounds like this big you know capital l legacy what am i what am i leaving behind what building have i put my name on and i don't mean it like that at all i mean it much more like in a creative joyful um you know meaningful way Have you written a letter to your child that they could read after you're gone? Have you got a favorite quilt that you got from your grandmother that you want to write out the story so that when your best friend gets the quilt, when you suddenly die, she knows the story behind the quilt. Or, you know, you've got this antique watch from your grandfather that you inherited and you know the whole story of when he bought that watch at a watch shop in Chicago, but it's in your head. Nobody else knows it. So even if that watch is going to be sold at a, at a antique shop, do you want to write down the story that goes with the thing? And sometimes people even get really inspired and they want to, you know, they make a list of 50 things they want to write about for their kids. And they they range from, um, you know, integrity or what to do after you are broken up with by somebody or a funny story that I never told you about, you know, me and your mom or whatever, whatever the thing is, are there things that you want to leave behind? And that's a really interesting question for people. And I find in my classes, people do get kind of creative about that. Like I look at this incredible map on the wall behind you. And I'm like, there's a story to that. Like, do it, people is, know there what is. it is, right? Yeah. So that I uh, now
1: I, uh, once we get through the other two, um, go through the five one more time. I want to see if I can answer these now. I, okay. And have you asked me questions? So people start to hear yeah. what they need to start thinking about for these five.
2: I love. All right. It. So what? I what
1: it. is number four and number five real quick? So
2: then number four, we hit on the kind of emotional relational, right? Okay. And to me, to me, that can be summed up with, are there loose ends? Are there Ooh, loose I ends? Like that. Yeah. Okay. And okay. then the last one is this practical matter, right? So for example, um, I have a friend whose mother died and she had no, the, the mother had never talked about death. The The children had no idea what she wanted done. It, this happened during COVID. She didn't die of COVID, but she died. And, and so here are these three grown kids with no idea what their mother wanted, no ability to have a funeral service. I mean, they were just at loose ends. And they said, well, I, I guess we're going to have her cremated how great it would have been if there had been some conversation sometime beforehand where some of those wishes were known. And some people don't care. Some people say, do whatever you want. But yeah. again, I find it's a little like spiritual. If you talk to people, people actually do. They have an opinion. They have an opinion. Um, so yeah. So I think, you know, I think these five domains, again, it's a, it's a little bit of an artificial way to break down a life, right? A life is much more than those five domains. And they also overlap. But mm-hmm. it's interesting how useful it is when what you're trying to do is kind of talk things through. And this is curriculum developed by the Conscious Dying Institute. And um, I've done this work with individuals and I do this work with small groups. And I personally love the groups because you just you have a different conversation. So What's like the y- youngest uh, that you've had in a group. I've had people in their 30s. And actually, I just chatted with one of the the gentlemen, a man in his 30s is in my group right now. And we talked yesterday after class. And he said, I think people in the 30s are an untapped resource. He said, I think people are really interested in this. And again, I think COVID has just put this whole conversation in front of people in a way that's just it's just bigger. The last two years have just, you know the trauma and the drama and the challenges of it all have just put that in our face where we, we have a greater sense of death kind of walking beside us, I think. So people in their thirties, a lot of people clustered in their fifties and sixties. And my oldest has been 95. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Lovely, lovely woman who just kind of wanted to dot the I's and cross the T's. You know, she had done her, her, you know, the advanced directive and again, kind of the paperwork kind of side of things, but she really wanted to kind of look at her spiritual life and her emotional life and kind of see, were there any loose ends? Was there anything she wanted to bring forward at the end? Yeah. So cool. And she ended up writing, she also ended up writing um, stories about some of her artwork that she felt like her kids didn't know.
1: That is, and, and that's something about on the legacy that really popped out to me because uh, many movies have this or, uh, even friends of mine where they received a VHS tape and well, like none of us have this <laughs> anymore to be able to play That's the technology keeps um, changing. <laughs> and just as like a random side note that I don't know if it'll help anybody, buddy, but recording a video digitally, but you can also get a transcript Yes. So, yes. and just print it out, put it together. Bam! You know, really like powerful. It it gives more than one way. Also, pictures yeah. from that um, because I I feel like that's some of the hardest things to deal with is technology. It is. You, it's not necessarily future proof.
2: Oh my gosh, it's not at all, and it and the whole technology thing is so interesting because we have this whole digital afterlife. Like, I'm sure people have had the experience of, you know, a friend dies, and then you keep getting reminders of their birthday on Facebook. And you're like, wait, like, this person is now gone, but their digital life lives on after them. So there's both the changing um, technology of trying to cr- create things that are a legacy piece. And then there's the technology that creates this digital afterlife that we have to deal with. 100%. Now, when you talked
1: about number one is physical and number five is practical, right? Yep. That's
2: how I do them them in any order, but that's how I like to do them. Yeah. I I like them.
1: So would funeral needs
2: go in both? I put funeral needs under practical. I throw those under practical. And again, of course it overlaps with spiritual, right? Right. I think that it, that comes down to sort of what do you want after death? What's your, what's your after death vision? Is it a, party? Is it a gathering? Is it a small gathering? Is it a big gathering? Is, it, are there, is there a particular song you've always loved? Yeah. There's a lot of different places. All right.
1: Let, let's see if I can figure this out. So physical would be.
2: What's your relationship to your body now? Like what, like what has your body meant to you? I mean, you've had some complicated body stuff. So a lot how would you, body how stuff. would you summarize <laughs> your relationship with this body that you walk in? that's a
1: complicated and very loved
2: yeah yeah and are there particular things that bring you physical comfort now blankets and cuddling with the dog yes I saw a lovely dog in the
1: background (laughs) (laughs) thank you for not letting her interrupt she decided to force her way into the office and
2: she was sitting
1: whine until I let her up on her chair. It's not yes, anybody and, else's chair. And wrap her, her in the blanket.
2: She gets yes. the same blank treat blanket treatment. I love it.
1: Yes. Uh I always love blankets. I always and love blankets in my slippers.
2: Like fuzzy, like heavy. What's the texture of the blankets? Ooh, uh
1: heavy blankets that are fuzzy. Like not quite velvet, but that kind of like fleece-ish. Yeah. And if someone
2: were caring for you in the last like week of your life and, and what would you wish you had conveyed to them about caring for you physically?
1: Split pea soup is my favorite soup. So if I can still eat it, please give me that. Um, And just sit and tell me stories. Yeah. And where would you want to be? With my family with Tyler or with my, my best friends are like my sisters and just be around them. Or even if everyone else is gone, put me in a a nursing home, hanging out with people. Yeah. Just to be physically around people.
2: Yeah. So people, people are really important to you in that physical, like, like realm. Do you, would you like to be touched? Do you, are you a touchy person?
1: Uh, if I trust them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it depends. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily a new brash volunteer who grabs your hand, but a beloved person. Yeah. 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 So that, I mean, that gives you sort of a taste. I mean, what I do is I send reflection questions that people spend time with thinking about, and these are just kind of a little sampling of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then spiritual, because that one is, you said that most people kind of know what they want to do,
2: Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is like, is like, so, so in your spiritual life, is there anything that feels incomplete? Mm,
1: That I'm not doing a daily spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. Meaning Mm -hmm. that for myself is meditation and yoga. And -hmm. it's something that's important to me yet. For some reason I'm avoiding it. Right.
2: Right. Right. So this is, I love this. This is sort of similar to what I did one time. I was, um, when I very, very first was introduced to this best three months curriculum and someone was coaching me through it, um, I'd filled out my reflection questions for the spiritual domain. And then um, she, one of the things I had written down was, well, if I only had three months to live, like I would definitely want to download some meditation tapes. And so, you know, maybe I'll ask some friends what their favorite, la, 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 la. And the person who was coaching me, she left and she was like 20 feet away from me and I thought, what am I waiting for? Wait, am I be able to wait until I'm like a month from dying before I download these meditation tapes? And I thought, or tapes, I keep calling them tapes, God, I'm showing my age, audiobooks or audio sound. So um, I was like, wait, I don't need to ask friends. Like I know I love Sharon Salzberg. I love her voice. I love what she says. Boom. So like in 30 seconds, I downloaded a Sharon Salzberg meditation and started listening to it. You know, and I I opted for just these short meditations that, um, you know, I'm like, I don't have an hour to commit. I'm just going to try 10 minutes, three mornings a week. So that's like, that's the kind of example of how sometimes sitting with the end actually impacts your current, right? Because I had this great, like, oh yeah, down the, that would be a really important thing to me down the road. And I'll have to ask five people and think about it a lot. Then I was like, no, no, no. you're making this way harder than it needs to be. Like you, you know, you know, you know what you need and what you want. Yeah.
1: And, and that really does show up in like spiritual. I'm like, okay, that's what I wanted to do now. Like that's something that I would avoid. But uh, the rest of when I think spiritual goes to the practical bucket with like what to do. Right. Um, Emotional, I would say, just making sure my I loved ones all. And this goes into legacy of they all had something to know how much I love them.
2: Yes. Yes. One woman I spoke with recently, she said, she said, oh, I don't, I don't have many um, possessions. I, I don't have, I don't have a lot of stuff. I've downsized a bunch. She said, but you know, I do have this big bowl and I collect hearts, heart rocks, glass hearts, little gold hearts, all kinds of hearts in this bowl. And as we talked, she decided Oh, I'm going to put like directions for my daughter that I want every one of my friends to take a heart. Aww. So beautiful, right? So, like, you know, how what a, what a thoughtful way to kind of, and there maybe there's a card to each friend that says, pick your favorite heart and read this on Valentine's Day every year or on my birthday or whatever, right? Yeah. There's incredible ways that we can connect ourselves to others through these simple, I almost want to call them rituals, like just simple exchange, right?
1: Yeah. And, into the legacy, I, yeah. to me, that is a big, it is the big way and the small way as that's why the podcast exists and to make everyone feel a little less alone. And even if they don't remember me, just remembering, sharing their stories to have these shitty conversations. <laughs>
2: Well, honestly, it's so funny because um, my brother is the one who last summer, he said, you've got to get into podcasting. You've got to find out more about podcasting. I was like, what? Huh? Huh? And he said, look, you love to talk. And this is how people are connecting. And he said, you know, you look forward to your podcast dropping, you know, your favorite person. And you're like, oh, I got my cup of coffee and it's Saturday morning and I'm gonna listen to Jen, you know, and I think, I think it's really true. And again, I think that's partly the pandemic probably upped podcasting because we're looking for connection. We're looking for real stories. We're looking for authenticity. So I do think it's a legacy because you don't know how your conversation about what felt too hard to talk about Touches somebody else who didn't know yeah. that that could be talked about.
1: Yeah, and thank you for that. I I would definitely say just for the podcast is uh, the legacy for the podcast. And uh, somebody told me it's going to be a movement, and I'm like, hey, oh, I'm not mad at <laughs> that, but to feel a little less alone, so that others go or have a, not only have a seat at the table, but are given have a space to have their voice heard. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's what I see as legacy. And for my family and friends to be a part of that. Yeah. And, uh, for a physical, I mean, that one, I mean, I need to do all of my paperwork. <laughs> I haven't done
2: any of that. And, so uh, have you got, so for you, like, what's the, do you know what the baby step is? Like, like. Is yours complicated enough that you need an attorney? Or are you going to do a DIY? Are you the kind of person who likes to look it up online and just fill it out yourself? Or do you need like the like, okay, I'm gonna put a little money towards this so it actually gets done? Like we're all different, you know, in terms of what what we need to get that done. And
1: luckily for the podcast, we will have someone on the podcast that is a lawyer that does this. Perfect. for myself, I'm like, I don't think it's that complicated. I can probably just be like, I die. It all goes to Tyler or something like right. that, you know? Right. Right. Um, but I, I think that's where so many of us get stuck yes. is, I don't know, is it complicated? Is my life complicated? Is what I want to figure out complicated? And then also when we talk, um, to Jamie about, I don't know. What do I need to plan for a funeral? What's in a funeral? What if I don't want a funeral? What if I just want a big party? What if I just want everyone to sing Blink 182, all the small things? And it's a small world after all. Right. Because it is. You know, like what, like I I feel like we all make, not all of us, some of us are very good at uncomplicating things, at least for myself, uh, making it overly complicated.
2: I totally agree. And I think there's this interesting balance because I I would never want people to listen to me and think like, you know, like, oh, this is about controlling everything or figuring everything out perfectly. Or like, to me, it's not like that, but it's more like if Jen dies, has she told anybody anything about what she wants? Like, might it be useful? Like, again, I go back to my example of my friend, like, Maybe maybe the mom thought, I don't need to tell anybody anything because they'll just figure it out. Well, it was a hardship for the grown kids to figure it out. It didn't make it easier. It wasn't more pleasant for them. So at this incredibly stressful time of their mom somewhat unexpectedly dying, even though she wasn't in great health, it just made everything harder that this had never been talked about. So to me, it's all about It isn't about like make a plan and then you're set in stone and that, and I'm so controlling, I've got my whole memorial service scripted out for everybody. It's not (laughs) that, but it's more like, are there things that matter to you that you want to share with the people that matter so that at this terrible time of someone dying, which is never easy and never, never simple how can it be a little simpler how can we create some ease in an already difficult time i mean i think we all know stories of families who implode over deaths you know the death of a matriarch or a patriarch the kind of sometimes the last of that generation is so powerful and it can it can literally bring families together in the most powerful way and it can split them up and they never speak again and I mean, I've witnessed both and I think, well, gosh, I kind of like to help facilitate the first one, (laughs) you know, where, like where my, my death is actually kind of a, a, a powerful thing that's important and supports people. And yes, it's sad and yes, it's difficult, but it doesn't, it wasn't made more difficult by things I avoided doing. Right. Yeah, that is, that is such a good way
1: of looking at it. And thank you for helping us not only talk about what to look at, but helping us break down the how to do it and just asking some questions that you, you stumped me and I thought I was going to be able to figure it out. And now we've, we've definitely used, um, the majority of our time so far, and we've covered a lot, like our five, uh, with the course we've covered what, um, uh, you know, kind of dealing with our mortality, and how to make it a bit more of a community practice. Yep. Oops. What have we covered today? Or what have we not covered today that you want to cover today?
2: Well, I think, I think, it's I think it's important to say one more thing about this piece about how you know, a mentor of mine, kind of a person that I really love is Barbara Carnes. And Barbara Carnes is like old school pioneer of hospice, an amazing woman. And she's re- she wrote this little book called Gone From My Sight, which is kind of a standard hospice book. It's sold 35 million copies and been translated into a bunch of languages. And Barbara Carnes says, there are two ways to die. You can die fast, You know, a heart attack, a car accident, suicide, those are fast deaths. And they're very hard on the people left behind. The person who dies was alive one minute and now they're gone. The second way you can die is slowly and that's disease or old age. And she really promotes that, you know, that a slow death is a gift. It's an opportunity. It's a time to make closure. It's a time to put things in order. It's a time to reflect. And all of that, I think, is so powerful. So I just want to remind people that, um you know, Barbara Carnes and her base of the belief that knowledge reduces fear is such a powerful way to kind of um, confront these these real, these this real fact of mortality. and that we can, you know, not talking about it isn't going to make it come any faster or slower. And not talking about it isn't going to make it not happen. So <laughs> eventually, we will all die. And mortality is a reality. But I think, again, it's, it's part of what makes life precious and makes our relationships and our, you know, it makes our relationships with our pets more precious that they die so much sooner than we do. And we know that through our beloved muffs and cats. Heremuffs, Heremuffs, Fiona. Heremuffs. You're here forever.
1: <laughs> yes. You're, you're with us forever. Fiona.
2: So I, I I think that's, you know, I think that's just an important kind of broad statement again, and that, um, I I think if you can like kind of like open the door to kind of take a peek at mortality and a peek at death and not think of it as just this um, terrifying thing that shouldn't be talked about or this awkward thing that's so awful, It's, it's like it's a big part of being human. And in the same way that we kind of celebrate and support birth. you know, in my fantasy world, we'd celebrate and support becoming an adult. And then we'd celebrate and support these milestones, including this huge transition of death. And it wouldn't be this terrible, horrible, bad, like we see it as a failure. I think that's part of what's happened with it becoming so medicalized. It's like somehow death is a failure. Death is inevitable. So how do we make it the best it can be? I, I, I get that. And Something that I, I, I would like
1: your opinion on is, uh, as a 30-something-year-old, like I think going through this now is very, very helpful, yet how would you suggest if we need to bring this up with our family members?
2: I think that's a great question. I think, I think the biggest thing is to um, not think of it as one conversation. You know, it's really a series of conversations. It's approaching it from the side. It's saying, hey, there's this great podcast by Jen. (laughs) She has this interesting conversation with someone. You won't believe the topic. Like, I think there are ways that you just sort of come at it sideways. Honestly, my parents who are still alive and well in their eighties, they, um, I feel like they just never shied away from it. It's not like they put it in our face. But they didn't shy away from it so when relatives died i knew or when a pet died we talked about it and they maybe i don't know 10 or 15 years ago i don't know when it came out but they said oh diane we've just read this amazing book called being mortal by atul gawande and this is one of the most beautiful articulate kind of um gentle narratives written by a doctor about how he feels like the medical system in its current incarnation, again, not every doctor, not every system, but that we kind of have failed patients by making death a failure. And he's like, you know, we need to take a close look at being mortal. So like you could say to a family member, hey, I heard of this amazing kind of classic book called Being Mortal. And then then one other book that I love, which I think the title is off-putting to people, but it's called The Art of Dying Well oh my gosh, it's really, it should be called the creative act of living well as you age and eventually (laughs) die. Like it's so, so good. And um, so, you know, if people are willing to read or if they like podcasts or websites, you can kind of shoot these little things their way. And often, I think it's fascinating families. It's often kind of a mutual collusion, like, you know, dad who has terrible cancer won't bring up the fact that he might be dying with the children who are in their 50s who don't want to say, hey, dad, you might be dying. And so nobody quite knows how to do that. And, you know, I think if anything, families would probably do well calling in palliative care and hospice care sooner than they do. Yeah,
1: I think that's definitely something that I feel very fortunate because my mom and I will just randomly talk about it. Like she'll be like, Hey, so X, Y, and Z. And I'm just like, next <laughs> time, please. Or I, I'll just get all on the phone with her and I'll be like, hey, mom, what are you going to do if this happens? And she'll right. be like, what? But that's who I am. And
2: I can be a little too direct
1: at times. So.
2: <laughs> but there's an openness. Like there's an openness. I, I always used to joke that like, I was used to joke that if you can't talk about death, you can't talk about money. You know, like sex, death, and money, like they're big topics and they're really important. But the families that I see who can't acknowledge death, they can't, they can't figure out their money stuff either. They, 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 it gets really convoluted really fast. And most people don't want to die and have their kids blow apart. Well, guess what? The way that you help your kids continue to be good friends and close siblings is by supporting them through this huge change, not by ignoring it. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Thank you. And what words of wisdom would you have for the audience? Well, if it's okay, I'm I'd like to read a little piece. So this is a beautiful piece called. Um, I'll kind of hold it up here and then I'll read it. This is called Practice for Death. And this was written by Taryn Estes, T-A-R-R-O-N, Estes, E-S-T-E-S, who's the founder of the Conscious Dying Institute. And this, this came to her as a series of, of, of what she calls pith statements, which means like each one in and of itself is complete, but they also kind of read as a poem, if you will. And um, I guess what I think is powerful about this is that people sometimes find that they really resonate with one or another of the pieces, and it's kind of like a meditation on the end of life. So this is called practice for death. And if you don't like the word God, you can substitute whatever word you choose. I'm going to throw God in there because that's the first line. Practice for death. I return to God. I release my body to the earth. I retrieve my energy from all worldly things. I relax into the source of my being. Death is my teacher. I have prepared for this moment all of my life. All teachings converge for this departure. The truth of impermanence envelops me. I am free from suffering. I release my spirit to the light. I am forgiven. My work is done. I return to the light. Again, that's practice for death. And I can give you a copy of that too. So you can connect it to the podcast, however you wish. I think the idea is that there are these beautiful phrases that we can repeat to ourselves, repeat to our loved ones to help them let go. And hearing is the last sense to go. We know that. So even if a person who's dying is non-responsive, you can still talk to them. You can still read them beautiful things that will help them make this transition because that is what it is. is—a Big transition.
1: Thank you, Diane. And what is, uh, how do people reach out to you?
2: Well, you can find out my work about my work and about me at bestlifebestdeath.com. And I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. And I'm like one of these people. I literally was not on Facebook until I started this work. And then I I thought, I'm going to have to get on social media. So I'm kind of a newbie to the whole thing. And it's just been a blast. I just put up my 100th, 100th Instagram post yesterday. And I was so excited that I made this dopey little video about it, you know, so it's, it's really been a fun journey. So bestlifebestdeath.com is my website. Thank you, Jen. Thanks so much for having me on. This has been really, really an interesting conversation.
1: Yay. One last question for you. What is something that you're grateful for?
2: Excellent question. I love that. Um, I, I'm a person, I'm so grateful for the seasons. Like, I look out the window right now in Colorado, and you know, the, the sun is getting much, much higher in the sky this time of year. And I'm actually one of these crazy people. I love the depth that it goes to in December. I love when it gets dark. I love when we have gray days, which we don't have out here that much. But I love the, just that arc of the seasons, like watching the sun change, watching the quality of the light change, snow summer hot like I just I'm so grateful for that experience which which I think is a very like in the body human experience right that we get to do these these beautiful seasons yeah yeah
1: I love that and something I'm grateful for is movement Mm. even if it's breathing and breath work or yoga or taking a walk it allows room for expansion And I am definitely grateful for movement. So thank you, Diane, for joining today.
2: Thank you, Jen. Thank you for just, you know, I have so much admiration for how you just launched into this. And it's really an example to me of someone who said, you know, okay, I've been through some shit and I'm going to do something with that shit. And it's like, I always think it's like, it's not so much what shit we walk through as what do we do with it. And I just feel like you've, Um, decided to be an inspiration and decided to be a positive movement force in the world. And I just love that. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I think that's a, that's a good way. I've been through some shit. Now we're going to do some shit, but (laughs) that's just what I'm going to tell people now. That that is what I do. That's
2: your bottom line. That's your (laughs) tagline. Thank you, Diane. Bye. Thank you, Jen. Bye.
0: hello again beautiful human what did you get out of today's episode we'd love to hear what was most impactful to you we all know someone that could have really used this episode so please send it their way remind them that they're not alone stay tuned for new episodes every wednesday here's a few ways that we could really use your support to keep shit you don't want to talk about going share an episode let's get the message out there donate on paypal or patreon Subscribe and rate the show on iTunes or Spotify and follow us on social media. Shit to talk about shit. The number to talk about. Bye.